Good afternoon, everyone. What's up? Chloe and Armin, what's up? Hey, we've got some uh, newlyweds. We've got Brady and Karis. Congratulations. Congratulations. Love is in the air. Who's next? Raise your hand. Uh, okay, okay. I guess I'll ask for that. Um, I'm Alvin. I'm the lead pastor here. For those of you who are new, I'm so happy that you've decided to spend this afternoon with us. We are in uh, the final part of a series called The Former Victims Club. And I've enjoyed this series. I've seen a lot of good things come from it in our church, even in my own life and the way I process information, particularly disappointing information and things. Uh, I, I'm just excited for the growth that's come from this. Before we get into the final part, uh, I would like to do our pre-word declaration together. So we're going to put on the screen. Repeat after me. The word of God is the bread of life. May my heart conceive it and my life achieve it. The more I give life, the more I'll receive. The more I live life, the more I'll believe. In the name of Jesus, amen. Awesome. Uh, Karis, you missed, we put you on the spot. We announced your marriage, so congratulations. Uh, all right, our theme for 2021 is I am a life giver. This is the identity, this is the mentality that we are adopting as a church, as people of the faith, of people of the word. We are life givers. That is God's calling in our life, and we see it all through Scripture. Um, but before we say yes to being life givers, we must say no to being the victims. There's very few, there are very few things that hinder the life giver in us than a victim mentality. The former Victims Club is for people who have at one point been hurt. We've said that, that being a former victim does not mean that you forget or ignore or deny that you've been through terrible things. It's rather avoiding or escaping a victim mentality, which means everything I do, I approach it from a place and a disposition of being rejected, of being a victim. This is a very uh, toxic way of living, and it's harmful to you and for others around you, and it's really conflicting to the calling of God on your life. Uh, the former Victims Club series, well, really the Life Giver, I'm a Life Giver series, this whole year, um, this theme, I should say, not series, I'm a Life Giver theme, was inspired by a veteran, a veteran of the former Victims Club, and there's a man named Joseph. I believe that Joseph, his story is in the book of Genesis, in case you're not familiar. And uh, his story on paper was uh, pretty much, I don't know how anybody could look at this and not see this man as a victim of betrayal, of jealousy, of lies, of false accusation. I mean, his life, series after series, chapter after chapter, was just him being on the receiving end of a lot of injustice, a lot of misfortune. But we see something very supernatural happen in chapter 45. Joseph does the unthinkable, and he changes, well, he opens himself, I should say, to a different narrative. He opens himself to 
a different possibility of who he is in his story. I believe that we can choose to be the victim of our story or we can choose to be the life giver of our story. And pretty much my point is Joseph had a lot of reason to consider himself the victim of his story. But in chapter 45, we witness a very painful transition, a very painful process of him changing himself from being the victim of the story to the life giver of the story. And in Genesis 45, I'm going to paraphrase, but he basically starts to suggest, he goes, well, perhaps, perhaps this was an all, all an act of God. Perhaps this was all an act of love from God. Maybe I wasn't sold into slavery, but perhaps I was sent to Egypt by God. As, as, as horrible as the situation was, looking back and seeing, you know what, perhaps God knew that there was going to be a famine that was going to hit the world and that was going to keep my people and my family from receiving food. Perhaps, perhaps God in his provision and his love for my people and for my family sent me to establish the connections and the favor that I was able to get with Pharaoh to now I am in a position to provide and bless my family and my people. Perhaps I'm actually the life giver in this story. Perhaps all of the bad things that my brothers did to me was actually an act of blessing for them. Because in Genesis 45, we realized that his entire, all of his brothers were now at his mercy and they were in great need of something that only Joseph had access to. And it's a very painful process. It wasn't just like he just snapped his fingers. The Bible said that he cried and cried so loud that people could hear him down the hall. It was a very painful process, but it's a powerful one that I believe that God is inviting us to for our lives. I want to review really quickly before I get into the new content and the former victims club four-step process that we covered, I think, week two was the first step is man is victim. We all were a victim at some point of our life. All of us have been on the receiving end of something bad, of something unfortunate, something unfair, something not good. Man is victim. Number two, God is blessing. God is blessing. He is a blessing, right? Step three, man receives blessing. And then step four, man becomes blessing. And two weeks ago, I said how the enemy wants to keep us at step three. He wants us to be blessed but never really graduate into becoming the blessing. And that is the ultimate destination for God's people. Man becomes blessing. And Joseph was a great example of how that process can look. And for that, I'm grateful. I'm going to share a story that has inspired believers for centuries. It's in uh, the book of Mark. And this is a story of tenacity. It's a story of, of faith. It's a story of friendship. And I'm going to read a good bit. So stay with me. And in case you zone out, I'm going to recap at the end anyway. Um, but I want to read it. It's Mark chapter 2. Verses 1 through 12. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. It says, And when he, talking about Jesus, returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together, so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. 
And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately, Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that, thus, that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed, and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. So, essentially, there are four men who had a friend, or I guess five men, and one was a paralytic. He couldn't walk, and he was in a bed. And his four friends were trying to get him to Jesus so he can have an encounter with Jesus. And it was so crowded in the house where they actually thought the only way to get in is to come from the roof. So they climbed up on the roof and pulled this uh, guy up on this bed, got a cut a hole in the opening of the roof, and lowered him down so he can have this encounter with Jesus. Jesus forgave this man of his sins and healed his body. And I love the story because it kind of covers two important things I want to share today. One, this story shows that there is room in all of our lives for victim episodes. The former Victims Club does not mean that you have never and will never be on the receiving end of misfortune or injustice or pain or something terrible. It does not mean that. This man was paralyzed. I would not call that playing the victim. That is a legitimate setback. So the former Victims Club, I'm not saying there are not legitimate setbacks where we need help. Please do not walk away from the victim, former Victims Club and think that there's no grace and space for you to receive help from people. That is not what I'm preaching. There is a difference between a victim episode and a mentality. There is room in all of our lives for times where we need help. This story shows the power of friendship, particularly friends with people with great faith. And when you are in times of need, friends that are willing to do whatever is possible to get you help. But I want to change the point as well because I have to talk about the other side. This story can actually also be a stumbling block in the area of being a victim as far as the mentality, the victim mentality. Had a great friend, great friend that uh, loved this passage, and he would refer to it a good bit. And he was like, you know, I just, I just wish that I had, you know, friends like that. I just wish I had four friends who, who loved me enough that they were willing to cut a roof from the um, roof, cut a hole in the roof, and lower me down. 
And I was like, okay, yeah, okay, yeah, well, I'm your friend, you know? And then, like, you know, I mean, so he was like, thanks. So then, don't laugh, don't laugh, don't laugh. It's a real story. I guess I'm telling it kind of funny. Uh, and then he uh, said it again a few weeks later. You know, I just wish, you know, I had this, these friends. Would be, I mean, I'm just so moved by this story. But the story used to make him sad because it just reminded him of something that he didn't believe he had. And, you know, as a pastor, as a friend, you, you, you never know when to drop the truth. <laughs> We've been, I've been accused of, like, bringing the truth too fast. You know, you need to know how to just sit there. So I was trying to practice that, even though I saw a lot of red flags. I didn't say anything then. I said it again, didn't say anything then. Fourth time, he brings it up, and I said, all right. I think the reason why you're still in this place is because you are identifying with the paralytic in the story when perhaps you're one of the four friends. And while you're waiting for someone to cut a hole in the roof to lower you down to have an encounter with Jesus, you've actually graduated to where you should be cutting the roof for someone else to meet Jesus. Let me give it to you. Okay, what about this paralytic are you like? This, this man had never had an encounter with Jesus. You've known Jesus for 10 years. This person's sins were not forgiven. Your sins have been forgiven. This person couldn't walk. You can run. Why are you so determined to see yourself as the paralytic who can't walk instead of an able friend who's able to lower somebody else who can't walk? Now you can probably see why I waited a few times to tell him. Because it just crushed his whole thing. He was reading the story and says, that guy's me. Instead of those guys are me. We have a choice with who we identify with. We have a choice with how we identify. Let me talk about identity. There's a lot of controversy right now about the phrase, how do you identify? Specifically in the area of gender identity. Now let me tell you, gender identity is not new. We've been identifying with gender from the very beginning of time. What's new is that now there are more and more people who are basing their identity not on their biological makeup, but their state of mind. And this, for those of us who draw our identity with gender with our biological makeup, we're find, the people are finding it very uh, offensive. And it's like, this is not right, and this is gonna throw off our entire social construct because we are, we are moving into an area, if this continues to grow, if gender is self-determining, then it can change. And it can change back. And then it can change, and it's just very, it can be, become very tricky. It can become very tricky. And, and then on top of that, as this continues to grow, what I'm seeing is for everyone who sincerely, like sincerely, identifies and believes that they are a gender other than how they were born, there's going to be people who see it as an opportunity to, like, cheat the system and take advantage of the system and create more confusion from an already confusing situation. And that's the state that we're in, and it's growing because, again, 
basing our, our identity is not on something is not new. What's new is that now it's not based for some people on, on your biological makeup, but your state of mind. I want to encourage everybody here. God is not surprised. He's not intimidated. He's not even threatened. And this is why. Genesis, not Genesis. John chapter 16, verse 33. I have said these things to you. This is Jesus speaking. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. Everyone say peace. peace. We can have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. What does it mean to take heart that Jesus has overcome the world? Romans 8, 28. This is what it means to take heart that we've overcome the world. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. That's a bold statement. All things even the things that are confusing, even the, even the things that are perplexing, all things, literally all things, work for the good of those who love God and call it according to purpose, which is why we don't have to be frazzled or anxious about anything, which is another scripture. <laughs> it all comes together. We're realizing no wonder we don't have to be anxious for anything because in Christ, all things work together for our benefit, like all things. Stick with me. Entertain this. If all things work together for the good of those who love God, how can this growing philosophy and mindset be for my good? I believe that the argument, perhaps, the argument that gender is a matter of the mind can actually help us understand Faith. Perhaps this argument and this idea is something that's going to help bring revelation to how to walk by faith. When we were born again, everyone who identifies as born again, when you were born again, you were biologically the same as before you were saved, you were circumstantially in the same situation. Same financial situation, same vocation. All these things were the same. But by faith, you identified as something new, as something redeemed, as someone forgiven, as someone saved from sin, hell, and the grave. Not because anything about you changed physically, but you begin to identify on a different base. In Christ, our identity isn't based on our biological makeup. It isn't based on our upbringing. It isn't based on our accomplishments. It isn't based on our sins, our failures, our Enneagram number. It is not based on anything about us except Christ. 
Our identity is not based on our emotional state. It's not based on our own minds even. It is based on the word of God. It is based on the grace of God. It is based on the knowledge of God. It is based on the promise of God. It is based on the work of God. It is based on the love of God. It is based on Jesus. Jesus who is the word of God. Jesus is the grace of God. Jesus is the knowledge of God. Jesus is the promise of God. Jesus is the work of God. Jesus is the love of God. Ephesians chapter two, verse eight. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. In Christ, our identity is based on Jesus. Nothing more, nothing less. We all have a base on which we determine our identity. We all do, and honestly, all of them are different. We all have a base from which we determine our identity. For all of the people who identify as women, there is a base on which that identity was determined. For some of us, it's because that's what the doctor said, that's my biological makeup. For some people, it's, I started feeling this way when I was eight. We all, everyone who identifies as a man, there is a base on which we identify or draw that identity, that we determine that identity. For some of us, it's because I was, bi I'm biologically a man. For some, it's, I became a man when I learned responsibility, when I took care of my family. I don't know, like, we all draw our identity from different things. For us who have been victims, for us who have been victims, we have a choice to make. Will I draw and base my identity on my victimization or something else? For those of us who see ourselves as enough or accepted. What are you basing that off of? Oh, I'm telling you, this is not new. All of us, we not be, that's the beauty of something, something that's happening in the world right now. It's just bringing reality to the surface. We have all drawn our identity from specific things. Different things inform us of who we are. For some of us, because I was rejected, I am rejected. For some of us, since I make six figures, I'm finally enough. We all do it. We all base our identity on specific things. Some is because I feel this way, I am. Because this happened in 96, I am. We all do it. And we all should do it because when we come to Christ, now we have to choose to base our identity on the cross. It's the same across the board. The former Victims Club has been a four-week invitation to choose an alternative base on which you determine your identity. That's all this whole series has been. Find a new base from which you determine who you are. Too many of us have been using our hurts as our base from which we draw our identity. 
So when we hear that we're more than a conqueror, it sounds foreign. It sounds make-believe. It sounds fake. When we hear that we can rejoice in all things, it makes us upset because it sounds fake. Because we haven't learned to make Christ and his victory the base from which we determine our identity. The concept is not new. And the world is proving it. They're going, well, we can choose how we identify. I'm this, and I'm that, and I'm that. And we're going, how dare they do that when we're doing the same thing? It might not be about our gender, but it's about our status with God, our ability to be happy, our worthiness of love. We're doing the same thing. It just might not be in the specific area if we're a boy or a girl. Members of the former Victims Club identify as life givers. Life givers like everyone else base their identity on something. It's Jesus for us. That's where I draw who I am. That's how I choose to identify as a redeemed, forgiven Filled with the Holy Spirit, man of God. John chapter 11, 25 through 27. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Then he says something to the woman. Do you believe this? Because my belief in this won't really do you any good until you believe it. She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who is coming into the world. This is how it works, guys. We are presented a truth, and we have a choice to say, is that for me, and do I believe it? Or do I not? Will I base my identity on the resurrection of Jesus Christ or something else? Guys, I don't know if this is news to you, but Jesus is not the only option on which to base your identity. He's not the only option. Now, he is the only option that will give you eternal life, but he's not the only option. There are several ways to identify And honestly, as time goes by, there's probably going to be more. Right now, we're still within the human race that we can identify, but soon we can start identifying, I'm I'm a goat. I mean, once you start opening up that door, when 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 there's no scientific evidence that has to support it, then in that case, who says I have to be human? If it's simply my choice, then I mean, let's have fun. I mean, that's, that's the stage that's being set. But the beauty of it is, guys, it's not new. It's not new. All of us from the beginning of time have, have found different things to choose to identify with it. 
You know, in high school, you, you choose, you know, I want to be like them. You see people wearing uh, goth clothes, and you're like, I want to identify like that. And you start wearing goth clothes, because, like, I choose to identify with these people. And then you switch clicks, and you, you start playing sports, and you want to, okay, identify with these people. And then you start dressing different, you start acting different, you start talking different, your music changes. We all do it. We're impressionable. We go, I want to identify with that. And then we take on the whole persona, the, the songs, the jokes, the TV shows, all the things that identify with a certain group, we take it on. And the good news about that is just like you can identify with those cliques, you can identify with Christ. Just like you can identify with certain people groups, you can identify with the church, with holiness. It's your choice. The question that I have for you today is, what's your choice? Do you want eternal life? Do you want to live? Do you want to be free? When Jesus was talking to the lame man at the pool of Bethesda, he asked a simple question. I started this message with a man that couldn't walk, and I'm ending this message with another man that couldn't walk. And let's see the difference. John 5, 5 through 8. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he already had been in the condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? The sick man answered, him, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, and while I am coming, another steps down before me. He didn't answer the question. It was a yes or no question. Instead, he just started listing, I mean, this is victim mentality. We, we refuse for it to be simple. We refuse, we refuse because this happened and that happened. Well, cool, well, do you want to be with me? Well, you just don't understand because this happened, this happened. It'd be different if I asked you what happened to you. That's when you would say, well, okay, cool, this happened, this happened. The question was, do you want to be well? Do you want to be okay? We're not answering the question. Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. And that day was the Sabbath, which started a whole nother thing. But we'll stop there. And <laughs> the stories, I started this message with someone who was a paralytic, and then someone else who couldn't walk. And they didn't say, they say he had an infirmity. They didn't say he was actually paralyzed. They say he had an infirmity. I'm not trying to read into it. But being sick and not being able to walk are two separate things. But maybe he really was paralyzed. I'm not sure. Surely he was after that long. Goodness. But honestly, you never know. <laughs> you never know. 
You never know. The cool thing about it is, is regardless if you are legitimately a victim or you are playing one because of the mentality that you refuse to let go of, either way, both were healed by Jesus. That's why everything's cool. It doesn't even matter. Don't, don't even start analyzing, well, which one am I? Because you might be a little bit of both. You might be a little bit victim mentality and victim in some legitimate ways. We're all, none of us are all just one thing. Like, it's, there's so much going on. But the cool thing is, regardless, if you're a victim or if you're playing one, you can be healed by Jesus. He can heal your body from something that's legitimately wrong with you, and he can heal your mind that's telling you that something's wrong with you, even if nothing's wrong with you. He's got you. It doesn't matter which one or what it's looked like. Jesus can heal you. Regardless of who you are or what your story is, the question is simple. Do you want to be made well? Jesus is asking us, do you want to be made well? And please, don't give them, a, don't give them the whole story. Just say yes or no. If it's no, say no. If it's yes, say yes. But just one or the other. If, you, if your answer is yes, then you're at the right place. Because Jesus is here. The body of Christ, the Holy Spirit. We are, the Lord is here. His presence is here. And you can be made well today. If you are ready to choose, again, choose, our entire year last year was based on that one word, choice. Like, you have a choice with how you identify. It's almost taken us the world to learn that. The world's actually having to teach us. Oh, you can actually choose? Okay, well, in that case, I choose to be free. It worked, it worked, it worked. I choose to be kind. It worked. It worked. I choose to be organized. Oh, my God, it worked. I choose to be loving. I choose to be forgiving. I choose to be able to heal the sick. Oh, my gosh, it's working. Thanks, world, for reminding us that we can choose how we identify. If you want to be holy, choose it. If you want to be free, choose it. Let's choose. Let's stand. Father, I'm going to pray. We thank you for the power of choice. We thank you for the ability to hear the word and respond to it. Lord, you've walked us through four weeks of how to break free from an oppressed state of mind, a rejected state of mind, a victim state of mind. You've given us your word. You've given us examples of people who've done it. Lord, like the word says, now we have no excuse. 
you've revealed to us the possibility to repent from an oppressed state of mind and graduate into being a life giver, to being the head and not the tail, being above and not beneath, being the lender and not the borrower. God, I pray that we receive this truth with the simplicity that you gave it. Your word says that the enemy has robbed us from the simplicity that is Christ. Lord, help us to see this simply. Lord, the story of the paralytic who came down, you forgave his sins right there. And you said walk, and he did. The man who had the infirmity for 38 years, you said get up, and he did. Lord, we repent from complicating things. You said for freedom that you have set us free. We know it's your will that you want us to be free and that you call us free. So let us be free. If you are ready to choose freedom, to choose this new identity, I am a life giver. Repeat this prayer after me because Jesus wants to change your life. He wants to change your identity. He wants to change your mind. He wants to change your heart. And not only does he want to, but he can do it. He actually has the power to do it. Repeat this prayer after me for those who are ready to say yes to Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus, I confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that he died on the cross for my sins and was raised from the dead on the third day. Forgive me of my sins and make me a new person in Christ. Make me a new person in Christ. Lord Jesus, I choose you to be the Lord of my life. Fill me with the Holy Spirit so I can live for you every day. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Let's celebrate salvation. Let's celebrate the new identity.